wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. The spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Happy St. Patrick's Day, folks, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for March 17th, 2015. I am your host with the most... Bleacher Report featured columnist Graham Jason Matthews, and I am flying solo here today as I am on spring break and I will not be joined by RJ. That being said, though, I was originally going to have a guest on the show here today in the form of an interview that I did on Monday morning that will instead be not airing at all due to some legal issues, but it will be in article form. But make sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode for more news on that that I talked about today and yesterday on my Facebook page. More exclusive news on that coming up later on in the show. However, like I said, 12 days until WrestleMania 31. It's shaping up to be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about you, but then again, I am a huge mark, so to speak. I hate to use that word, but I am. I'm a fucking mark. I love wrestling. I love the WrestleMania season. Does it quite feel like it? Not so much, but I definitely feel the WrestleMania vibes, but a lot of that can be attributed to me just listening to a lot of WrestleMania theme songs over the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'm looking forward to the show in the next two weeks. I mean, I think it's shaping up to be a really good show, especially after last night's Raw, which I'm going to be dissecting match by match, segment by segment. I thought it was a decent show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. But also here on the show today, I'm also going to be doing something kind of new, kind of break it up a little bit, in addition to talking about Raw, and the the entire hour will not be devoted to just about Raw, Um, I will also be ranking my top 15 most underrated matches in WrestleMania history. So I figured I would do a little something special here for today's show, as this week I will be releasing two, not, not one, but two articles and ranking every main event in WrestleMania history. Yes, it sounds a bit redundant, however, here's the story here, and I talked about this in today's video blog, but... Here it is. Um, I did initially sign on to write the 30 best main events, ranking every main event in in WrestleMania history for the newest website that I'm currently writing for, HiddenRemote.com. However, John and I, at underscore John Zdargan on Twitter, make sure to follow him now. Uh, we initially wanted to do this months ago. We talked about this doing this, you know, last August, and we were planning this huge thing. And even as of a couple of weeks ago, we were still going to be doing it, and we are still doing it. So, but this website wanted me to do it for them, so I'm going to be doing it for them. That's my perspective on what I think, personally, no one else's opinion on what the best main events in WrestleMania history are. That being said, I ended up calling John like mid yesterday at like noon to de- to kind of conversate about our collaborative WrestleMania main event list, um, the best WrestleMania main events from best to worst, or worst to best, whatever, ranking the top 30 pretty much in the last 30 years of WrestleMania. Um, we were on the phone for about an hour yesterday. I could have recorded that audio and used it for today's show. It was really, really good. Um, but that article, our collaborative piece, will be up on my website, nextairawrestling.weebly.com. Um, in the next couple of days or so, my new article for Hidden Remote is already up. It's as of up, as of right now, as of this recording. Make sure to go check it out on hiddenremote.com. My list 
ranking every main event in WrestleMania history. However, just keep in mind before reading, that was before I talked to John. So when I talked to John, he changed my mind on a few things and vice versa. So our list, I think, is a little bit better than the one I put together for this website. But check it out at your leisure and let me know what you think on the Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Graham Jason Matthews, and also right here you know, on YouTube as well at Graham Jason Matthews. And I might as well just get the plugs out of the way. Like I said, Facebook, Twitter, that's where you can find me at. And all the websites I'm currently writing for, Pro Wrestling Shirts specifically. It's a website unlike any other. They sell shirts and they write articles, something unprecedented. They have a lot of creative, original content. I'm on board to write for the site, a lot of other great and established wrestling writers are as well. So make sure to check them out at ProWrestlingShirts.com. My latest article for them from last week, I'm probably going to be writing another piece for them this upcoming week when I find the time, but my latest piece for them from last week talks about the feud between Edge and Randy Orton and why it never really came to fruition, which is really, really interesting considering how they were both primed to be feuding in, in 04 and 07 and 2010, all these different periods of time. Never really happened, unfortunately, but I talk about that all in my new article. If you want to check it out, ProWrestlingShirts.com. Already mentioned Hidden Remote. My new articles are up there. I had a lot of fun writing my latest article, not the WrestleMania one, or that one too, but um, why John Cena, a, a heel turn for John Cena, could have worked in 2011. Something I thought was really, really interesting. I was originally going to write about the Divas, which I probably will about uh, at some point before WrestleMania. But before writing that piece, I came across a news article. And I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but and I don't know how accurate this is, but apparently uh, Chris Hero, a.k.a. Cassius Ono from WWE's NXT, before he got cut in late 2013, revealed in a recent interview that he that John Cena was originally supposed to go heel in 2011. And when you're probably thinking, how the hell would he know that? Well, apparently, um, John Cena, the, the idea of him going heel back in 2011, early 2012, whatever, was so seriously considered that they put out him, they, they, they put out a, um, um, they, they had him go to a seamstress to get new attire. So he was going to give up the jean shorts uh, like altogether, apparently, and uh, the, the, he was going to put that money towards new attire, and when they nixed the idea and it got scrapped, he had already put a down payment on the attire or the $5,000 or whatever it was. So he ended up using that money and putting it towards NXT in WWE's developmental program. So a cool move by John. But the bigger story here, I mean, we all know that John Cena is a great guy and all. But the bigger story here is this, is that John Cena almost went heel back in 2011. And I don't want to go into a huge rant about that right now. Like I said, you can go check out my latest article um, at HiddenRemote.com. And not my latest article, but the one from a couple days ago. My latest article ranks every main event in WrestleMania history. But I already talked about that. So plugs aside, Monday Night Raw last night. I thought it was a decent show. I mean, Raw last week was so freaking bad that there was no possible way that you're going to beat that. I mean, in, in terms of just getting worse. Um, and, and unless they really, really tried, they probably could have beat themselves. But I think for this show, they were they are trying to get as many people as excited about WrestleMania as humanly possible. So, and I think they succeeded in that effort last night, in that, in that attempt. And I thought they did a good job. Not everyone is super pumped for the show, and I can completely understand why i'm not gonna say oh you're not a wrestling fan if you're not excited for wrestlemania i mean i'm not gonna say you should be excited for wrestlemania i think it is going to be a good show i wouldn't be surprised to see it not do well considering how you know wwe's track record of not booking properly sometimes you know more often than not in the last couple of months um, a lot of booking decisions have been questionable to say the least 
But I do think the current card, considering what we have, Sting's first WWE match, potentially Brock Lesnar's last, um, a new world champion could be crowned in the main event, Roman Reigns' big showing, and you know, watch that match, if only to see what will go down, and, and if Roman Reigns goes heel, if they screw over Brock, which I don't think is going to happen, but the fact Heyman teased it at all was pretty cool on Raw recently. There's so much can go down in that main event, you know, the, the crowd for one thing, I mean, that's what made that match between Goldberg and Stone Cold so entertaining back at WrestleMania 20 was that rowdy crowd just shitting all over the entire thing. That was the best part about that match, and that's what made it so entertaining, as well as the you know the post-match stuff, too, with, with Stone Cold taking out both Goldberg and Lesnar with, with stunners. So that was pretty entertaining. But um, bottom line is this, WrestleMania, there's a lot to be excited about on that card, I think. I think even though the build for the multi-man intercontinental ladder match has been shitty, to say the least, I thought they did a decent job of it last night. The game of hot potato with the belt has been so fucking stupid. I mean, it's something... It's so juvenile. I mean, it, it screams PG. And I'm not saying they need to go, you know, bang each other's wives in order to get that belt back or anything like that. But, I mean, I feel like they should be focusing on the prestige of that belt. Daniel Bryan actually cut a really good promo. And this is not counting the whole turd shit. No pun intended at the end of SmackDown last week. It was so stupid. I'm not even going to get into that. But um, at the start of the show, though, Daniel Bryan talked about he, how he was entering himself into the Intercontinental Title Ladder Match at WrestleMania. If only because that title has been featured in so many prominent contests contests at WrestleMania since you know since the start of time with guys like Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan in the main event of WrestleMania six. Um, so many great IC title matches over the years, and Daniel Bryan wanted to be a part of that. So he was the only one of the six or seven people in that matchup that really made that title mean something, which is what it's desperately lacking right now. That title does not mean jack shit. Um, and I've talked about this at length before, so I'm not going to go on a huge rant about it. But um, that said, I, I like going back to what I was saying before, before I went off on the huge tangent, um, I do think the ladder match itself could be really, really good, considering who's involved. We have Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose... Dolph Ziggler, R-Truth, Luke Harper, Bad News Barrett, and Stardust. Sans R-Truth, who is not terrible. I just hate the, his comedy character. And people ask me all the time, why do you not like R-Truth? It's not that I don't like R-Truth. I just hate, not what he's become, but just how he's currently handled. Like, why would you have a guy that's in his late 40s that has no use right now? I mean, there's he, he is not, no one takes him seriously as a mid-carder, so why is he... In the Intercontinental Title Latch, Intercontinental Championship Ladder Match at WrestleMania, why isn't that Gold Dust? The fact that Gold Dust is in the Battle Royal instead of Our Truth is a crime to me. You know, I feel like, but Sans Our Truth though, he's not a bad worker, so you include him in the mix. I think this could be a great ladder match given who's involved. So we have that the women's match. AJ and Paige versus the Bell Twins. I think that could be a good match. They've built some heat on that matchup. I, I like their matchup from last night. AJ uh, versus Nikki Bell. I thought that was a decent matchup. As well as all the other matches on the card. Bray Wyatt versus Undertaker. I've talked about in the past. I think is a lose-lose situation. But um, if they can get the story right. If they can get that in-ring psychology spot on. They can really have something special. So I look forward to Undertaker's first appearance back in a WWE ring since WrestleMania 30. Sting versus Triple H. I am now infinitely more excited for that matchup uh, than I was, you know, a week ago after last night's Raw. I thought the ending segment with Sting coming out to save Randy Orton was great, but um, I, I won't give everything away in terms of my thoughts on Raw just yet because they're going to be breaking it down right now. So, also now official for the card: Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton as of last night's Raw. 
And someone asked me just last night on Twitter, what match do you think is going to steal the show at WrestleMania? Hands down, my money is on this match. Seth Rollins and Randy Orton feels more like a main event of Raw. Or, I'm sorry, more of a main event of WrestleMania than it does Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns right now. I mean, I've talked about that in the past, and I said that last night on Twitter during the show, but it's true. And people say, oh, well, that's because they're the only two that are on TV. And, I mean, that's not really the case. It's not like Sting is facing Undertaker and it's, you know, that neither of them are on TV. In each of the matches, you have at least one half of the equation on Monday Night Raw. They could do a lot better of a job building up those matches. If booked properly, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar could feel like, or I don't know if it's still kill, if it still could at this point, but it could have felt like a monumental matchup. And yeah, sure, Brock Lesnar needs to be there, but in the times that he has been on TV, they have not made the most of him. I mean, granted, last night the interview was excellent. I'll get to that in a little bit. But um, you know, the fact that they have Roman Reigns on every week and he's the afterthought in the main event of Raw last week when um, he faced Rollins and Orton in a throwaway matchup, or that same night when Lesnar was on Raw and they did nothing to use him. They, they, he wasn't used whatsoever. He was just standing as a backdrop to Paul Heyman. Like, the fact that he's not on TV is not an excuse. There is so much more you could be doing with both of these guys, both Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, when he is on TV, and even Paul Heyman. I mean, props to him. Now, talk, I mean, like I said, I'll get into all of this when I get into my Raw review, but, you know, even Paul Heyman is doing a really good job right now of saving this matchup, so to speak, because... Roman Reigns is not holding my interest. I like Roman Reigns, but he is not piquing my interest when it comes to this matchup. Brock Lesnar isn't on TV, and Paul Heyman's, you know, brief, aggressive, or his aggressive promos with his brief comments on Lesnar leaving WWE and going back to UFC and unifying the titles and all of this and each and that, I think is great. It's one of the most intriguing parts and one of the most, probably the best part, the only good part about this entire build to the WWE World Heavyweight title match at WrestleMania. And it's a shame, because they had Brock break the streak last year. He's riding a wave of momentum, but, you know, they're not capitalizing off that momentum. I'm not saying they... I mean, I, I would hate to say that the failure, that the experience of him being champion has been a failure, but in a way it has been, because they never had the guy defend the title la late last year in the fall. Roman Reigns, the whole, you know, building him up has not been an epic failure, but, you know, the, the choice to go with him as the Royal Rumble winner... I mean, two months later, to me, that seems like the wrong move. They, they, I mean, they, it's not like they could change it at Fastlane. I stay with what I said a couple weeks ago and that they couldn't have changed it. You have to go with Roman Reigns after you had him win the Rumble, but my point still stands that Daniel Bryan should have won the Rumble. He was the guy that the people were going with, and he has, you know, to answer the questions that some people have asked me, he has cooled off considerably in the last couple of weeks, months, whatever, since he came back. And that's because of WWE's board booking of him. And, you know, the fact that he's in throwaway matches every single week. They don't give a shit about him. The commentators, not the fans, the commentators during his matches don't give a shit about him. They don't treat him like he's anything special above, you know, any other guy in the mid-card right now, which is a true shame considering how much momentum he had, you know, when he came back at the end of last year and going into the Rumble. And ever since then, he's been booked like crap, which is a true shame. I feel like Lesnar versus Reigns would have been... The bigger match, the story is there. He never lost the bell, the matchup that should have happened at SummerSlam. The story is there. They failed to capitalize off it. It's a shame. But what's done is done. We're getting Lesnar versus Reigns. I think it's going to be a good match. Um, you never know. I feel like the, the intrigue factor has been you know, significantly increased after last night's Raw, after Lesnar's interview and the, and the promo work from Reigns and Heyman, which I'll get to in a minute. So, um, Like I said, Rollins and Orton now official for WrestleMania after the opening segment. 
nothing too special. I mean, I feel like going into the main event and, you know, Rollins and Orton, they're going to face each other in the main event and Rollins teasing that the authority was breaking up and they're all on bad terms was stupid because we all knew that they were going to get back together anyway. But the fact, I mean, it wasn't the fact that it was predictable is what killed it for me. The fact that it served no purpose. It's not like, you know, it, it was, you know, Orton had the impression that Orton or that, that Rollins was gonna, gonna was going to come out alone. So he lowered his guard or he's going to put his championship on the line. The match was still the same from the start of the show when they first made it to the ending segment. I mean, the match never really happened, but the whole swerve factor, I know they wanted to kind of build some interest in the main event, but it just seemed like it was so pointless to me because it was really no, like, what did that accomplish? I didn't get that, but, um, you know, I, I understand they wanted to add some heat on the matchup. I understand why they did it. From a storyline standpoint, though, it just doesn't make any sense because the matchup never really changed, and, you know, the whole swerve, people saw it coming, so I, th- I thought that was stupid, but um, it was all saved by the end of the night with a sting appearance, which I'll get to at the end of the review. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Nikki Bella and AJ having a good match on Raw last night, getting almost 11 minutes of in-ring time, probably... I know um, Bree and AJ had a really long match a couple weeks ago, but um, on SmackDown, that is. This might be the longest Divas match we've had on Raw in quite some time. I can't remember the last time that we got a match that exceeded 10, 11 minutes. I mean, I got to go back and check, but that was really cool to see, and they made the most of it, too. It wasn't like it was Eva versus Cameron in the middle of the ring. They had a good match. Nikki Bella is a good worker. I'm not the biggest fan of the Bellas, but I do respect their in-ring work and how much they've improved in the last two years since they since they returned to WWE. And AJ is always great as well. So they put together a nice matchup. Had no problem with AJ losing clean or not, you know, losing clean. Whatever. There was some interference from Brian Page on the outside. But, um, you know, it did not give Nikki Bella another non-title loss. She lost a non-title match to Naomi last week on main event. I know a lot of people don't remember that or don't watch main event because it does not air on the network anymore. And if you're curious about that, I mean, you can find it on websites and different stuff. It only airs internationally right now because Sky Sports or something is preventing them from airing it on the network, which is weird. But um, if you really seek it out, you can find it somewhere online. But um, I, I know it's irrelevant because main event does not matter at this point in time. But the fact you did that in the first place doesn't make any sense. But it is what it is. But never mind, uh, never mind that. Getting back to what I was saying before. A good match from Nikki Bella and AJ going into the tag team match at WrestleMania. Up next, Ryback versus The Miz in a first of two rematches from SmackDown from last week, further proving that SmackDown is absolutely absolutely irrelevant. Um, but the match itself was decent, though. I did not mind it at all. I thought they had a fine matchup. But the, mat- the, the focus was not really more so on the matchup than it was the building tension on the outside between Miz Dow and Miz. Um, at one point, Ryback had set Miz up. Miz Dow was almost about to punch, from what it seemed, going to punch his uh, mentor, the Miz, in the face, only for that to be kiboshed when Miz took out Ryback. And Ryback ended up picking up the victory yet again. And after the matchup, Miz would deliver the skull-crushing finale to Miz Dow. So I'm really liking the the the, the climax of, of this storyline between Miz and Miz Dow. I've talked about this for months, but the fact they've built it up to, up to this point... I mean, you go back to, like, October when Miz first started getting jealous of the reactions that Miz Dow was getting when this whole thing kind of first started in that episode of Raw in Brooklyn, I think, and the, the show that Rock came back and Miz Dow was doing his thing in the ring, or on the outside of the ring while Miz was facing Sheamus, and it's crazy to think it's been going on for the last five months, but, and I mean, for all the shit that we give, I mean, I'm not excluding myself from this, but for all the shit that we give WWE Creative, this is something they've done right. This entire storyline, the way they've played it out, the planting of the seeds, and more and more and more and more as the weeks go on, 
the two continue to build tension with one another. And the timing could not have been better. I thought that was great. Really enjoyed that. And, of course, it's all leading to Miz Dow. I mean, you never know with this company. Expect anything, of course. Um, but I feel like it is leading to Miz Dow turning on Miz in the, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and going to go on to win it. How much that win does for him, I really have no idea after what happened to Cesaro last year. But um, I feel like Miz and Miz, they'll have kind of had a really nice storyline going for themselves over the last few months. I mean, you got to give creative their their props here for kind of, uh, you know, timing this out to a point where it can climax at WrestleMania. And a lot of people have asked me in, in this week's hashtag AskGSM video, what do you see happening to Miz now after WrestleMania? That's kind of the key with every match in the WrestleMania card, I feel like, that the aftermath has to be there. It's all about the aftermath with a lot of these matches. John Cena beats Rusev. Okay, Rusev looks strong in defeat. So did Sandow when he got, you know, when he cashed in Money in the Bank on John Cena. The aftermath could have been a lot better. And then they fucked it up. And Sandow was a jobber by the end of 2013 going into 2014. So, and, and can Rusev rebound after WrestleMania? Can Wyatt rebound from, from his apparent loss to Undertaker at WrestleMania? I mean, he can always win, but I feel like he will lose at WrestleMania. Um, so it's all about the aftermath, and that's kind of the same with Miz and Mizdow. What do you do with both guys after WrestleMania? Um, Miz, I feel like, will be fine if he continues to do the same thing as the Hollywood douche. I feel like that is the best character for him. In the article that I wrote for Bleach Report last week, I talked about that and how um, he is doing the best work of his career right now, probably even better from the work that he was doing as WWE Champion. Some people shit on that reign, but you look at his promos, and he had a lot of good matches during that time, too, with guys like Jerry Lawler, and even some matches with John Cena, not the main event of WrestleMania, but he did have some fine matches with Cena, especially John Morrison, Randy Orton, and a few others. Um, and I feel like the the work he's doing now and kind of getting the crowd to hate him as as passionately as they are is great. I feel like he's doing an awesome job, and Mizdow obviously deserves all the credit in the world for getting the stunt double character over. But where he goes after WrestleMania, I really have no idea. I look forward to it, though. I feel like Mizdow and whatever character they give him, he's going to make it 100%. That's always been his mindset. He's been doing that since he arrived in WWE as Sandow on the main roster about three years ago. On you know, Coincidentally enough, they smacked down after WrestleMania 28, so almost exactly three years ago at this point. But um, you know, that said, I feel like whatever character they give him, whatever they give him to roll with, he will make the most of it and make it gold. I mean, I've been saying that for years now, but Sandow is gold. Mizdow is gold. So I feel like coming out of WrestleMania, they could do that feud with the Miz, but as long as they don't make an Alex Riley 2.0 out of Damian Sandow by doing the whole feud with Miz, beating Miz, and then going nowhere, that's a mistake. But if they can give him a character to latch onto, maybe not Mizdow per se, I know he's over, but even if he does switch up his gimmick, go back to being Damian Sandow or do something else, I feel like he's so popular and people respect his work, respect his work so much that they will continue to love him no matter what he does. He doesn't have to be a stunt double. He doesn't have to be Mizdow in order to continue to be over. Um, coming out of WrestleMania. So I look forward to those two colliding in the, in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal come WrestleMania 31. Other matches on last night's show, or the contract signing, might I add, for the uh, for the United States Championship match at WrestleMania, I thought was okay, like I mentioned earlier. The accent with um, the, the dude that was with Rusev was fucking terrible. And the fact that there were a We Want Lana chance from the crowd just kind of goes to show that there is really no reason for those two to ever break up. 
I mean, I've talked about this before, but I feel like Lana can be a breakout star at some point. If they do opt to break them up, obviously, I feel like Lana will be better off on her own than Rusev would be. But at this point in time, they've only been together for a year, so why would you break the two up? It just seems pointless to me. You know, kind of build that relationship. You think about it, I know Heyman and, and Brock have, you know, split up in the past, but, you know, they, they, were, they were first formed back in 2002, and they're still together 13 years later. They have broken up at points, like I said, but for the most part, for, the, for a majority of those 13 years, they have been together in WWE, UFC, whatever, because they're real-life good friends, and they realize that breaking them up would be a mistake. So I feel like that's a, kind of the same dynamic with Rusev and Lana, that there is really no reason for them to break up the two. And I know Lana is currently filming um, some WWE Studios film with, with Edge, which is really cool, so happy for her success. But Rusev, he's not suffering without her. It's only been a week, and it does kind of play into the storyline that it was... You know, Lana, who accepted the match on his behalf, even though he was the one who had to sign the contract and not her, blah, 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 blah. The segment itself was good, though, you know, with the exception of that terrible accent by whoever that fucking terrible actor was. Um, I, I feel like John Cena and Rusev held up their own in that segment, did some good mic work, and built up their match at WrestleMania very well. In tag team action up next, WWE Tag Team Champion Cesaro and Kid getting their win back over the New Day. I just didn't care. I love Cesaro and Kid, but there is no reason to give a fuck about the New Day right now. I mean, there never will be until they turn these guys heel. They, I don't know how WWE doesn't see it, but they will never be anything in WWE until they can flip the switch with them. Because the whole over-the-top Blue Day shit is so bad. It's such a huge, stereotypical turnoff. You know, it's I just don't get it. Why you have to have not you have to be deaf. I mean, you could you you would feel like you were deaf because when they come out, they get no reaction. But you would think that WWE would see that the silence they get when they come out to the ring it speaks volumes. So why not scrap the gimmick altogether, or at the very least turn them heel? And what bothers me more is that they didn't turn them heel. I mean, they, if they're going to turn any team heel right now, it would be the New Day, not fucking Los Matadores. Why they're even in that match makes. No sense to me. Apparently, Jey Uso is injured. He got injured last week on SmackDown. Um, so we have one let she, well, we have one team short in the Fatal Four Way apparently at WrestleMania. Nothing is official as of right now. So they could always add in the Ascension, and uh, they could always add in the Ascension or the Primetime Players, or the Lucha Dragons, even who have been working matches in the dark matches and Superstars Main Event, whatever. Um, I feel like if they can add those guys in, it could be a hell of a match, but. If it only comes down to Cesaro Kid and then the New Day and Los Matadores, I would weep. I would weep. There is no reason for those guys to be in that match. But I understand the New Day to an extent because they've been on TV more. But Los Matadores have been irrelevant for fucking forever. There has been no... I hated it when they were in the tag team title match last year. They were the first ones out. I get it. But the fact they're even in there at all when other teams like the recently reunited primetime players could be makes absolutely no sense to me. So it even sucks even more. I mean, I wasn't looking forward to the match before, and now I'm looking forward to it even less. Now that the Usos are apparently out of the equation due to Jay Uso's injury, and there's been no timetable set for his return. I believe he's being reevaluated later this week, so we will find out more as the time goes on. But um, hopefully, in their slot, they put in. I mean, maybe not the Ascension. I know people do not care too much about the Ascension, but I would rather see them in there over fucking Los Matadores. Um, at least the Ascension has been on TV more in the last two, three months than those guys have. And the primetime players, I feel like, is a missed opportunity. I mean, I love the fact they're back together, 
But what does it matter if they're not even on TV and they're not chasing after the tag team titles? You would never know that they're back together because they're never on fucking TV. So I think that was so stupid. But um, those are my thoughts on the mat that on that match. I mean, at the very least, uh, you know, looking at the glass half full here, at least Cesaro and Kid won the match. That's the only good thing I could say about it. It was way too short to mean anything. They got their win back. But I just do not care to see the New Day or Los Matadores in the tag team title match at Mania. Brock Lesnar's interview I thought was absolutely excellent. The guy thrives in pre-taped interview segments in this kind of environment. I think he is at his best. I mean, that's been evident since he came back. When he came back three years ago and did the whole um, pre-taped interview for the match with John Cena at the 2012 Extreme Rules pay-per-view, that was a great freaking video package. And um, the fact they haven't done more with them is just mind-boggling to me. They did one with the match with CM Punk. Um, it seems like his best match that they always do it for. They did it with the match with Punk. They did it but for both matches with John Cena when he first came back. Um, you know, he's done at least maybe one or two every year. He did the one in 2012 when he came back for the match with Cena. The match with Punk at SummerSlam 2013. SummerSlam 2014 for the match with uh, John Cena again. And now they're doing with, with his match for Roman Reigns. The only downside of this is that they should have done this weeks ago. That's not like, you know, Lesnar's a terrible talker, so he shouldn't talk. I get that. I mean, I, I'm not saying that when Lesnar's on TV, kind of going back to what I was saying at the start of the show, that just because Lesnar's on TV, he doesn't necessarily have to talk. They can just have him beat the shit out of somebody. As they showed in the video package last night, look at all the people that when he comes back at times, who he just lays waste to. He beat the shit out of Road Dog one time, Gold Dust. Um, 3MB, The Miz, Jericho just a couple months ago, like, you don't have to have the guy, you don't have to have the guy come out and just lay waste, you know, you don't have to have him come out and do nothing, it doesn't matter, just, you know, just beat somebody up, he's already over, so it's not like it's getting him heat, but it gives him something to do, and it puts heat, not on him, but him too, but the matchup itself, because right now, Lesnar's involvement in this matchup is so irrelevant based off what he's done before be, before this interview, of course. Heyman was the only one kind of really carrying that matchup to making it feel like a main event. And not even the main event of any other pay-per-view, but fucking WrestleMania, their biggest show of the year. And they failed to make that match mean something. And I don't really put the blame on Brock for the most part. It's more so on WWE. It's not like, I mean, hey, maybe they are telling him to do something he says fucking no, I'm not doing it, otherwise I'm walking out again. Maybe that is the case. I don't think so, but I feel like Creative could be doing a lot more with him when he is on Raw. And that interview last night was a step in the right direction. You know, next week on Raw, we're getting Lesnar and Reigns finally face-to-face -face for the first time since the Rumble, you know, the, the, the post-Rumble interview set when the Raw was snowed in. And that was the point, like I talked about it then, I'll say it again now, I feel like that was a great interview that got me really excited. And I'll say it, and I said it then, but if they were going to show more of that Roman Reigns, I'd be more excited about that matchup. And the Roman Reigns that we've gotten in recent weeks since Fastlane has not been shitty Roman Reigns. It's not storytelling Roman Reigns talking about Jack and the Beanstalk. He has been serious. He showed some good fire in a segment with Mark Henry last week on SmackDown. Um, he was good last night. I didn't think his promo was that bad at all, pretty much. Um, and like I said, I like Roman Reigns, so I want to see him succeed. It's just the fact that how people perceive him plays a huge factor in how well that matchup goes over at WrestleMania. Because when he comes out on TV every week, it's not like people are going crazy for him. He gets a mixed reaction at most. 
Like, he got a major reaction to the house show that he went to. And Triple H said that on the podcast with Stone Cold, um, you know, a couple months ago. He said, oh, you know, it's just TV that people don't care, or that, that, you know, people are booing him out at house shows. He's, all, he's always over with the crowd. Of course he is, because that crowd is always made up of kids and families and mothers and their child. You know what I mean? So it's obvious that he's going to be cheered. I was at a house show a couple weeks ago in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I thought it was a really good show. Roman Reigns had a good showing, and, you know, surprisingly enough, in his match against the big show of all people, but he was over as all hell because most of the show consisted of families. That's what house shows, that's most people who go to house shows are families for the most part. And then the TV crowds are the, you know, the, the hardcore fans for the most part that are staying up on Monday night to go, which is not completely rid of children, but for the most part, it is the male audience. And, I mean, that that's kind of where it matters most. That's the product that is going out to your masses. That is going out to your audience. The house shows aren't. The house shows, they're not irrelevant, but they don't matter in terms of what reactions. I mean, if you're a John Cena or something like that. If you're a new star trying to get over... I mean, like in NXT, like if you're over in NXT, does not necessarily translate to you being over in the main roster, but it does mean that you're ready to be promoted. When you're already an established star like Roman Reigns, you know, the reaction, the, the great reactions he's getting on live events don't really matter because it's all about the people, the casual fans that are watching on TV. So, that all being said, going back to what I was saying before, I feel like the interview that Lesnar did last night was really, really good. And it definitely amped up my excitement for this match of WrestleMania. I don't think it's going to be a classic. I don't think it's going to be the the greatest match of all time. But I feel like if they can strike the right rhythm, find their stride, and tell a good story, they can have an, a, a better-than-expected match. I almost said above-average match. I don't feel like that's going to be the case. But I do feel like if they can get everything right, they can have the perfect storm, you know, no pun intended, the F5. I feel like if everything lines up correctly... They can have an above-expected-expectations matchup. Better than anyone would have ever anticipated. And I hope they do. I really hope they do. I'm not saying I wish they fail. It's stupid. I really want to see a really good main event for WrestleMania. Why wouldn't I? You know? Um, so I thought the interview was great. The stuff that with um, Paul Heyman and uh, Roman that we got later on in the show is also really, really good. And is it too little too late? Yeah, kind of. Because we're less than two weeks away until WrestleMania. But, you know, that's it. It's better late than never. I will say that much. I mean, it's good that they're doing this at all instead of just, you know, you know, not giving a fuck at all until WrestleMania. At least they're trying to do something. You know, at least they're not phoning it in for the last two weeks. They made, uh, they, they, like I said, they, they, they took a step in the right direction last night on Raw. And I look forward to what they kind of, uh, what they can come up with in their final face-up before WrestleMania in the final Raw before the show next week, next Monday. So that was really good. So I thought that was the highlight from Raw last night. Um, there was some hype for the fucking Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. The only thing that's piquing my interest in that match is the involvement of Miz and Miz down who, you know, the, the, the final, with those being the final two. Big Show being in there and Kane and, and those two teasing tension, I could not give two fucks about Mark Henry. Um, I think he's fine. I think he's a good addition to the matchup, but it's not like I'm ten times more excited for the match than I was before. Love Ryback, but I know he's not going to win, so I'm not really excited for that. Um, just you, it was, It's sad because, you know, they showed all the people in the ring at once last night. Guys like Heath Slater, um, the primetime players who I like, but again, you know they're not going to win, so it's a waste. It's just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know why they're not already in the, um, you know, they don't have more star power in that matchup. They should have taken more people that are in the Intercontinental Championship matchup 
or the tag team title matchup or whatever and put them in that battle royal. Because you look at that battle royal, there aren't that many big stars. You have Big Show and Kane, of course. That's fucking, you know, in 2015, not too exciting. Mark Henry, the same exact thing. Gold Dust, I mean, they dropped the fucking ball on that feud between him and uh, between him and Stardust. So um, they have those guys in there. They have Ryback. They have, like I said, Miz and Mizda, who were not in the ring last night. They already did their shtick for the night, so they weren't out there in that mini battle royal. But, um, you know, Eric Rowan and Adam Rose and Fandango, I just don't care. You know, I didn't care about it last year, and they surprised me. It's not like the belt of last year's battle royal was any better. It's, a bu- it's filled with a bunch of people you don't give two shits about, you know? So, you know, I, I look forward to the match to see what happens with Miz and Mizdow, but other than that, I really couldn't care less about it. The build last year was pretty much the same exact thing, so it's not like it's any worse this year. And the only good thing about that Battle Royal, the Battle Royal wasn't even that good. It was just, you know, just, just when it came down to Big Show and Cesaro and a few others, that's when it started to get suspenseful and really, really fun to watch. So I look forward to that match, and hopefully it is something special and um, you know, can match that same feel that it got last year when Cesaro won. Hopefully, we can they can they can match that at WrestleMania with Mizdow winning. Hopefully, if they don't fuck it up, <laughs> if they if they don't fuck it up, that is. Um, so we had that Big Show taking out Eric Rowan, a complete waste of time. Just kind of give you drawbacks, give you flashbacks to their their failure of a feud from last year, which you know in, in retrospect served absolutely no purpose. Um, so that was a that was, that was a complete waste of time. Um, I already mentioned the Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman stuff. The six-man tag team match I thought was really, really good, and this is probably the best hype that this match has gotten up to this point. And the six-man between Ambrose, Ziggler, and Bryan against Bad News, Barrett, Harper, and Stardust. I mean, the, the fact that, that the people the people that are in it are, is not the issue. Aside from our truth, I don't you know have an issue with who's involved in the match. I mean, Daniel Bryan should be in something higher, but you know it is what it is. I'm not going to complain about that. That's that goes without saying that Daniel Bryan deserves better than this. Um, but it's been the build to this matchup that has made both that belt a joke, as if it wasn't already a joke already, um, in the match. I mean, it's kind of devalued the match, and you know it's going to kick off the show. It could be a hell of a matchup, much like a lot of the Money the Bank ladder matches that we've seen in WrestleMania in the past. But, um, you know, this match in particular, I feel, can be really, really good, but the build does not reflect that, or hasn't reflected that up until last night. Uh, Bad News Barra taking out, like, three or four guys at the end of the show, that doesn't do anything for me. It's not, not at the end of the show, but at the end of the segment. It's not like, oh, all those losses were worth it because Barrett, you know, got the better of the baby faces here. That's not the case at all. Barrett has been so buried. I'll say it buried. He's been ruined since he came back as as bad news Barrett um, about a month or two ago. Or, yeah, at the end of two thousand and at the end of the two thousand and fourteen, the final episode of the year. Um, it's not even the bad news Barrett shtick because he got that shtick over. The last time he returned in 2014, right after WrestleMania, the Bad News Barrett thing was over. People were into it. He was winning matches. He was winning his title defenses. And he wasn't booked like complete shit. He wasn't booked like a joke. So people took him seriously and were behind him. That's anything but the case this year with Bad News Barrett. And it's a real shame. Because people, you know, someone asked me on this week's ha- uh, someone uh, on, on this week's edition of Hashtag AskGSM, and someone told me on Twitter last night um, what their thoughts on it were, but... I feel like Bad News Barrett, like people have said, is potential of, of being world champion. I feel like he is really, really good. And excuse me, I feel like he could have been world champion many years ago had they not botched his booking. And, you know, th- this, to see him buried week in and week out is what disgusts me the most because this guy is capable of, of great things in WWE, but they make him job out in every single matchup. It's just common sense. I'm going to do that with anybody sucks, but... 
especially with someone of the caliber of Bad News Barrett, of Wade Barrett. Because he's so goddamn good, and he could be a lot better if they weren't ruining him by having him lose every single week, especially as champion. It's bad enough that they make him lose you know, on his own, but with the championship, it ruins both him and the championship that he's holding. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him drop that title at WrestleMania. It's it's so far beyond the uh, the yeah, so far beyond the point of repair that there is nothing that they could do to uh, salvage that championship around the waist of Bad News Barrett. So they just have to kind of just scrap it and move along. Um, but still, I really like the matchup last night though, and I like the brawl. And you know, hopefully the game of hot potato is over going into WrestleMania, and they can finally move forward and start to take the matchup seriously. But um. Until then, though, I thought this was a really, really good six-man tag team match to kind of, um, not the final matchup between these guys before WrestleMania, but to kind of finally give us something to latch onto in terms of the build to this matchup at WrestleMania. And then we get to the main event between Orton and Rollins. Of course, the matchup never ended up happening. Rollins, the big swerve that the authority was never splitting up to begin with, and they all ended up surrounding Orton around the ring. And like I said, I did not read the spoiler that Sting was going to be there. Apparently, there was a spoiler either early Monday morning or late Sunday. I don't remember when it was, but it's a spoiler, huge name at Raw. And I didn't think it was going to be Sting. I just thought, you know, the huge name. I didn't know who it was going to be, and I don't like spoilers. So I didn't look it up. I didn't want to know who it was. So after, you know, after Monday Night's Raw, I figured, I didn't, I didn't, I figured WWE, in typical fashion, would end the show with the authority beating the shit out of Randy Orton. And it's not like it's out of the ordinary either. Remember, like, in the final few Raws of, of 2014 and the first few Raws of this year, when uh, I think it might have been Daniel Bryan or John Cena, maybe. I don't remember who it was. Maybe the baby faces, Ryback. Like, you thought something, you were waiting for something else to happen. You were waiting for someone to come out and save the day, like a Randy Orton. But it never came to fruition, and then the show just ended on like a note, you know? So I'm glad they didn't do that, and they ended up bringing in Sting. Um, I don't know if he's going to be on next week's show. This was his fourth appearance, and from what I understand, he's going to make... he only He's only signed on to make only a handful of appearances on the road to WrestleMania. He made one at Survivor Series, the Raw before the Rumble, at Fastlane, and now last night on Raw. Probably what was the best use of him to date. And I don't like the fact they had the promo on the network. I thought it was a good promo. You know, Sting has never been a, a, a great promo guy. Um, and he improved his game when he was in, in TNA for all those years. And, you know, people like to say that it was a complete waste of time. And I do agree that he should have gone to WWE earlier. Um, specifically, maybe back in, like, early 2011 when they were doing the whole thing with the two 21-11, you know, vignettes. And people thought it was Sting. I thought it was Sting. And, you know, he ended up re-signing with TNA, so it wasn't him. And so on and so forth. But, um... Still, I feel like it, th- that time in TNA was well spent in terms of improving his promo work towards the end of his career, and he cut a good promo on the on the uh, WWE Network last night, but that's something that you should hype up. I mean, I, I don't really count the video package from last week as the voice was altered and you know all that other stuff, so I really wasn't a fan of that, but um, the promo that he cut was good. They could have hyped it out in advance. I know they did at the end of the Raw. They're like, oh, we're going to have an interview with Sting on the network, but they, you know, like I'm, I'm saying like, um, earlier on in the night on Raw, they should have said, oh, Sting's going to speak tonight. And I know that would have ruined the surprise, but like next week they should have saved the promo for it and then do it then. Like That's something that you end Raw with. I felt like the way they closed Raw was great, but um, the Sting promo I felt like they could have done on Raw itself. But nevertheless, I thought it was a really, really good segment, the highlight of the night for me. And to see Orton and Sting in the same ring together, I thought was really cool. I mean, people never say, you know, a dream match is Orton versus Sting. I never really thought that was the case. But, um... 
you know, to, to see a younger guy, I mean, Orton's not young per se, he's been with WWE for the last 13 years, but to see a, another guy, another WWE guy that is not Triple H in the same ring as Sting is awesome. I thought it was a really, really cool visual, and it was a great way to bring back Sting and add some more excitement to that match at WrestleMania. And like I said, I feel like at this point in time, the match that I'm most looking forward to is Sting versus Triple H, and it could very well bomb. If Sting has a stinker of a matchup, he was not in the greatest of shape at the end of his TNA run, but last night, I, for a second, I didn't even think that was him, because when he took off his shirt or his cloak or whatever, he looked to be in great shape, and maybe he takes off the shirt at WrestleMania, I don't know what the deal is, but um, I, I do feel like he can have a good match if the story is right, the storytelling is there, and I look forward to it. And it might not be an interim classic, um, considering you know Sting and Triple H don't, it doesn't feel like it could be a Hart versus Michaels at WrestleMania 12 caliber like match, and I don't expect it to be. But um, you know I do think it could be a very good matchup if they can tell the right story and, and capture the crowd and it's placed correctly in the card and not like in the opener or. You know, right after a hot matchup or something like that. So I look forward to that Sinks vs. WWE match. And I thought there was a great way of going off Raw last night. So I thought it was a decent show. A lot better than last week. You could not get any worse than last week. That would have been a major accomplishment to WWE if they were able to do that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a decent show. Some good segments, some good matches. I really enjoyed the six-man, the the main event between you know Orton and Sting and Rollins, the authority. I thought that was a really good way of going off the show. The Divas match was a pleasant surprise. The Miz and Mizdow stuff was nicely furthered, as well as the Cena Rusev stuff. And the Honor of the Giant Memorial Battle Royal shit was not really for me. It wasn't terrible, but it was just kind of a waste of time. Everything else, though, I thought was good. And it's finally, it's good to finally see WWE kick up their build to the road to WrestleMania to its next notch, to the next gear. Um, too little, too late? Sure. I mean, they could have done this weeks ago, but like I said earlier with the Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns things, it's, it's better late than never. It's not like they're going into... It's not like they're, they're limping across the finish line going into WrestleMania. They don't give a shit, and they just you know don't even care. At least they're putting forth an effort to make the show mean something. The build has been very lackluster, for lack of a better term, but I feel like they are going to kick it up to the next notch in coming weeks. I thought they did that last night on Raw, and hopefully next week they can kind of do the same thing. I don't know if Sting's going to appear. I know Undertaker from you know, some people have been asking me, do you expect him to appear before WrestleMania? I don't. Um, at, at this point, there's really no point. He has to show up at WrestleMania instead of um, returning this week or next week or whatever. Um, so I don't think Undertaker's going to be there. Neither will Sting, unless they do. I feel like with Triple H and Sting, they'll just do some sort of video package or something. I don't know if Sting's going to be there. Would be cool, but I feel like he won't be. Um, but Brock Lesnar will be there, though. And they're going to do a final face-off between Roman and um, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar before WrestleMania, before their main event matchup for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So... Really exciting show next week. I look forward to it. So a good show of episode or a good episode of Monday Night Raw on Monday night. Enjoyed it. So to close out the show, like I promised earlier, I will give away my list of the top 15 most underrated matches in WrestleMania history. So I was going to make an article out of this, but because of the fact that um, I just don't have time and there's so many articles that I want to write before WrestleMania and after WrestleMania for that matter as well that I don't think I'll be able to fit this into a WrestleMania article. So, and I wanted to give away something like a ranking or whatever here on the show. So, and I, I felt like this would be the best fit because I thought, you know, someone asked me a couple, like just recently to do a mat, to do an article. And like, uh, I think it was just yesterday, someone asked me to do the best non-main events in a WrestleMania history. And I might do that. 
But um, I, I made this list like over the weekend, and I really enjoyed a lot of these matches. And you know, hopefully, these most underrated matches. And this is only my opinion. I did not collaborate with anyone on this. I did not ask anyone on Facebook or Twitter. This is just something I put up in a couple minutes. But I thought it came up pretty well. Make sure to give me your thoughts on the Twitter at WrestleRant and on Facebook at Graham Houston Matthews, and let me know what you think. So coming in at number 15, and I don't really know what the criteria is, by the way. It's just something that I really enjoy these matches, and I don't feel like they got the credit they deserve. There really is no elaborate scientific ranking or, or uh, you know criteria for this list. There are just matches that I really enjoy that I feel like deserve more credit than uh, some people give them, you know, than some people... Uh, recognize them as some people recognize them, you know, or forget all about them or whatever. I feel like these matches were underrated um, in various respects. So at number fifteen, Chris Benoit versus MVP from uh, from WrestleMania twenty three for the United States Championship. The last time that the United States Championship was defended at WrestleMania, uh, I, I don't count twenty seven. I know twenty seven was defended in a dark match, so kind of. Um, but still, the, on the main card, I should say, that was the last time before this year that the United States Championship was defended. And it was a really good match. I didn't think it was a great match. They had better matches down the line. I thought they had a really good match at Judgment Day, Benoit MVP, in the 2 out of 3 count falls match of the U.S. Championship, where MVP finally won. But it was a nice WrestleMania debut for MVP. Got the U.S. title on the card and made it mean something. And it was a fine match. And I think, you know, when looking back on 23, it was a... Solid undercard bout for a show that also featured so many other big matches in the Battle of the Billionaires, Cena and Michaels, as well as Batista and Taker. I don't feel like this match gets its rightful due. Um, number 14, Jeff Hardy versus Matt Hardy from WrestleMania 25. The reason it's so low on the list is because it was a great match, but you know some people do recognize it as being good. Not everybody, not everyone like looks back at 25 as... It looks back at 25 and remembers this match for being so good, um, but some people do. I mean, some people do recognize that the feud between Matt and Jeff was not a great feud, but the match itself at WrestleMania was really good. I enjoyed their stretcher match, their I Quit match, a Backlash, and uh, Backlash 2009, that same year, about a month later. So I thought this was a really good match. Really enjoyed it. And WrestleMania 25 was not at all a great WrestleMania. I was I shit all over that show. I mean, it's right now on the YouTube channel if you want to check it out. My full review of WrestleMania. 25 now on the YouTube channel at Graham Jason Matthews. Cheap plug. But um, yeah, I thought it was a really good matchup. I mean, I know it gets overshadowed by Michaels and Taker. Everything on that show did. But um, it deserves more credit than some people you know remember it as. Up next, Chris Jericho versus Edge at WrestleMania 26. I thought, again, some people recognize this or remember it as a good match. Not many people, though. Um, at WrestleMania 26, I said Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels was the single best main event in WrestleMania history. So, 26, I thought was a good show. Not an amazing show, but it was pretty good. And I thought Jericho and Edge, the story going into it could have been better. The whole Spear thing, you know, Spear, 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 and Edge coming back from injury. The story could have been better, but I felt like the match itself was really good. And just watching it back, um, you know, this past weekend on the WWE Network from WrestleMania 26. So, good match, good World Heavyweight title match between Jericho and Edge. And I feel like you should definitely go check that out on the network or whatever um, before WrestleMania 31 comes along the next couple of weeks. A really good world title match. And I think the only world title match on this list. I'm looking down the list right now. I think I feel like this is the only... I think it is. I think it's the only world championship match on this list. And I feel like of all the world title matches in the last couple of years, it's the only one that does not get the rightful recognition, in my opinion, anyway. So number 12, Triple H versus Owen Hart from WrestleMania 14. I did not enjoy this show. I didn't think WrestleMania 14 was not all that great, as well as WrestleMania 13 or 15. 
It just felt like they were thrown together. It did not feel like they were really good at WrestleManias. But this was a good match, though. All in heart. I enjoyed everything he did at WrestleMania. A great worker all around. Triple H, one of his early WrestleMania showings. And after all the classic matches that he's had over the years with the likes of, you know, The Undertaker and Daniel Bryan and so many others, John Cena, this matchup kind of gets buried underneath all of them. And, you know, given Owen Hart's, um, you know, the, the company doesn't really recognize him nowadays considering the fact that he's, they're on bad terms or uh, his widow, um, I think, I forgot what her name is, but... um. She's on bad terms with the company. She does not want him in the Hall of Fame. So I understand that, but a Martha Hart, I think her name is. So I understand why they wouldn't recognize him or put him on TV, whatever. But still, I feel like it was a really good match. Um, they should definitely check out from WrestleMania 14, one of the saving graces of that show aside from the main event. Coming in at number 11, Mickey James versus Trish Stratus from WrestleMania 22. Um, the only women's match on this list, and the last really good women's match at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 22 was not a great mania. Like 26, I thought it was pretty good. The main events, the world title match, Cena and Triple H, and Michaels and McMahon, I didn't really care for. Taker, Mark Henry wasn't like, it was okay. Um, you know, But with all those matches, though, I felt like the women's match deserves better. Because I thought Mickey James and Trish had such a great story and that's kind of my criteria for most of these matches because um, I'm, I'm a sucker for storytelling. And I thought they hit the they hit the nail right on the head um, with this matchup and building it up as well as they did. So good matchup from Mickey and Trish coming into number 11. At number 10, I've got the Legion of Doom versus the Nation of Domination from WrestleMania 13. The Chicago Street Fight. To say this crowd was so fucking hot for the Legion of Doom would be an understatement. They're from the area, I get that, but still, the crowd was rabid for these guys. It's it goes to it go you know it really comes as no surprise that they were as over as they were back in the 80s and early 90s, and also on the show as well as at WrestleMania 13. They were a great tag team, one of the best of all time, um, very well and deserving of their induction into the WWE Hall of Fame many years ago. But um, such a great tag team. Glad to see him in the Hall of Fame. But a really good matchup, though. I thought this was really, really entertaining. I think it happened right before the main event between Undertaker and Sid. Ten times more entertaining than that match. I'll give you that much. Um, I didn't think Taker versus Sid was that great of a match. It was actually pretty boring. Um, that said, though, I thought the Chicago crowd ate this entire thing up. It was more of a brawl than it was um, an actual matchup. But that's what it was supposed to be. It was a street fight, a Chicago street fight. I thought it was awesome. So great stuff from Legion of Doom and the Nation of Domination. Coming in at number 9, Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit from WrestleMania 17. Of course, WrestleMania 17 is seen as the greatest of all time, and rightfully so, given the card that was had one of the best all-around cards in history. Um, and had a little bit for everybody, this you know this matchup provided the wrestling. They had a really good, fun, entertaining matchup between Mr. McMahon and Shane. Um, a great main event between Stone Cold and The Rock, and a little bit of everything with everyone on the card. But I thought you know of as, as stacked of a card as that was, and maybe this is not underrated, and people do recognize it as being as great of a matchup as I thought it was. But um, with everything else on that card and people recognizing that show for Austin versus Rock, this show, this matchup kind of gets buried underneath it. Um, but I thought it was a really good match, though, and a really good technical re wrestling contest from Angle and Benoit at 17. Coming in at number 8, CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio, another WrestleMania 26 matchup. And I put, this is, I think WrestleMania 26 was the only Mania that I put two matches from. Because I thought it was really, really good. I thought, like I said, it was a pretty good WrestleMania. And the only thing that held this matchup back from being higher on the list was that they didn't get much time. I think they only got like eight or nine minutes or something like that. But in those eight or nine minutes, they had a really good match. The crowd was into it. They had a good story going. I mean, people were 
obviously expecting Rey Mysterio to go over, seeing how if he lost, he had to join the Straight Edge Society. And they did have better matches down the line. They had a really, really good match at Over the Limit about two months later, um, which I thought stole the show that night. But um, yeah, I thought this was a really good match, though, and it did not live up to its full potential because they did not get enough time. But in that time, though, they ripped it up, had a great match. Coming in at number seven, The Undertaker versus Ric Flair from WrestleMania 18. I was just talking about this with um, with RJ just recently, and that it came at a time that it was not when he was having his shittier matches, like, you know, his worst WrestleMania matches were early on with guys like Giant Gonzalez and King Kong Bundy and Psycho Sid, and not Ke- the match with Kevin Nash was okay um, with Diesel. But I thought this was, like, one of the first really good matches at, for, for Undertaker at WrestleMania, I felt like his match with Triple H was better, and that does get credit that the credit deserves from WrestleMania 17. But um, this was a really good match, though, from the year following, and a lot of people don't really remember this matchup. You know, looking back at Taker's greatest matches, I mean, in comparison to the matches he had with Punk and, you know, HBK especially, of course, Triple H and others, um, I feel like this matchup was a gem on WrestleMania 18. It wasn't a bad show. Again, it was a pretty good show. Um, and I thought this was a really good match from Taker and Flair, and that it kind of stirred, kind of started up the trend of Taker having really good matches at WrestleMania. Did not start that trend. I felt like the match with Triple H did, but um, it was one of the really first good matches that Taker had at WrestleMania. Coming in at number six, the Money in the Bank ladder match from WrestleMania 24. Maybe I'm biased because I love that match so much, but I thought it was a stacked matchup. Everyone had a reason for being in it. And for seven people, too, Jeff Hardy was supposed to be in it um, before he got suspended. Um, but for the seven people they had in there, they had a great fucking match and still to this day my favorite Money in the Bank ladder match. Everyone ripped it up. Everyone was hitting their finishers. Benjamin taking a a gross spill to the outside. Not gross as in bad, but bad as in and, and gross as in like shit. That's gotta that's gonna fucking hurt in the morning. Like that kind of gross, you know. Um, that was a great spot. And I really loved the matchup. Punk winning was a nice touch. People didn't really care to see him win the following year. I know he was still like a popular babyface. Not as much though, but um, people were just anxious to see someone new win that year. But for 24, though, he was like the underdog. He was like the least that you would expect to come out winning in this matchup. And I thought he did a really good job in, um, in winning that matchup. And the thing with Jericho and he getting you know stuck up in the ladder I thought was great. So uh, a, a great Money in the Bank ladder match. Dare I say the best of all time. Um, I feel like, you know, the, the people recognize the first Money in the Bank ladder match as being, uh, you know, for being great on the WrestleMania 20 card, and a few of the other ones at 22 and 23, but I feel like the 24 card, with all the main events they had that year with Michaels and Flair, and the triple threat match with the WWE title, and Money Mayweather versus Big Show, as well as Undertaker versus uh, Edge for the World Heavyweight Championship, People don't really remember that much of the Money in the Bank ladder match, but if you go back and watch it on the WWE Network, trust me, you'll love it. Coming in at number five, Benoit versus Angle versus Jericho from WrestleMania 16 in a triple threat match or two out of three count falls match for the European and Intercontinental title match for the Intercontinental Championships. So the stipulation, sure, like the first fall, it goes to that you win this title, the second fall wins that title. Jericho said it himself in his book, but... The matchup was so convoluted. The stipulation was so stupid. But the story was there, though. Angle walked into Mania with both belts. He walked out with neither of them. So he was this cocky young guy, you know, holding both belts, think he can own the world. 
You know, so the stipulation was a bit of a clusterfuck, but they had a really well-wrestled matchup, and on a show that was a bit of a disappointment, um, it was not a good matchup. I mean, the WrestleMania 2000 was not great at all. Like, there was only, like, one or two good matches, and, um, you know, aside from Rock and... Or not WrestleMania... Did I, say, did I say 18? I meant 16. I'm sorry. Aside from the tag team title match, the, the, the triangle ladder match with the tag team championships, uh, there was not many good matches on this show, but I thought this was pretty good. It was very well wrestled, and they had a good story going into it aside from the convoluted stipulation. Number four may surprise you. Hulk Hogan versus Mr. McMahon from WrestleMania 19. Was it a Matt Classic? Absolutely not. The farthest thing from it. But I went into WrestleMania 19, you know, hearing about this matchup, and I'm thinking, this is going to be, you know, a waste of time. It's going to be stupid. Neither guy, you know, being over 50, 60 years old, they're not going to put any effort in this. It's going to be a clusterfuck. But they ended up having one of the most exciting and entertaining matches on the entire show. How is that possible, you ask? But Hogan was so over back in 03. McMahon was such a heated villain. And they built this off of 20 years in the making, who created WrestleMania. And, it, you know, it was a good concept. They had a good basis behind it. They kind of, you know, stretched a little bit in order to get that stipulation from it. But um, they had a really entertaining brawl. It was, I think it was a no disqualification match, but... Um, they went on the outside, they made the color commentator, like the Spanish commentator, bleed, which was, you know, he was like dead on the outside, that was hilarious, and then Rowdy Roddy Piper came in and wearing a biker helmet taking out Hogan, and the, the crowd went fucking nuts for Piper, it was crazy, it might have been the first time he had been seen in WWE for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years when he left for WCW, so... That was awesome. I thought that was an amazing, an amazing uh, moment when he came back. So that was really, really good, and, and Hogan ended up picking up the victory. So I thought that was underrated. I thought 19 had a lot of good main events. I thought um, Lesnar and Angle, as well as, what was the other match that year? That was the WWE title match. Oh, Austin and Rock, of course, from that year. Rock and Austin 3. Triple H and Booker T wasn't that good, but um, the other main events that I mentioned I thought were great, and this kind of gets buried underneath. This Also, as well as, you know, Michaels and Jericho had a great match, and I thought this was a really entertaining match as well. Coming in at number three, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero from WrestleMania 21. That kind of set the stage for their feud for the remainder of 2005 that kind of put over Rey Mysterio in a whole new light. Um, this huge feud with Eddie Guerrero, the former World Heavyweight Champion, in a really, really good way of kicking off the show. I thought they had a really entertaining matchup. And I, the dynamic of those two, you know, both being World Tag Team, or WWE Tag Team Champions, excuse me, the first time ever in WrestleMania history that two tag team champions were facing off one-on-one -on -one at WrestleMania. So that was a really cool concept. Um, there wasn't much build behind it. They were kind of just like, oh, let's face each other at WrestleMania to see who's better. Um, that was pretty much it. But it did set the stage for a great feud that put over Rey Mysterio huge in the remainder of 2005. So I thought that was a great way of kicking off a really good WrestleMania 21 show. Um, coming in at number two, CM Punk. Versus Randy Orton, which may come as a surprise to some. But I thought that was a really, really good matchup. I remember reading at that time that Punk and Orton were both disappointed, were both frustrated that they didn't get higher up on that card. And when you really think about it, they really should have been, considering that Edge and Del Rio, for some god-odd reason, um, they couldn't put those guys higher up on the card and they had to kick off the show with it. Um, but they had to have Michael Cole versus Jerry Lawler in a 30-minute 30 30 fucking snooze fest um, at the end of the card. And... Taker and Taker and uh, Triple H, I thought had a pretty good match. I love their 28 match more. To be honest with you, I thought the 27 match kind of bored me. I thought it was a really good match, but 
I was I was just kind of bored by most of it because I knew who was going to win. And it's always the case with Undertaker, but in, the, in this case especially, they didn't create much emotion um, before the match or during the match, in my opinion. So I thought this was a really, really good undercard match. A gem on that show for 27 being re- remembered as one of the most disappointing and worst WrestleManias of all time, especially with the main event and whatever. Um, I thought this was a gem on the undercard of that event. And we get to number one. If you've seen it, you know where I'm coming from. If you haven't seen it, you may be a bit shocked by this. My number one most underrated match in WrestleMania history, Evolution versus Rock and Sock Connection from WrestleMania 20. I thought that was a fucking hell of an entertaining matchup. On that classic, no. Mick Foley was not... Overly impressed with his own performance, from what I understand. A better performance in this matchup than he did it than he had at uh, WrestleMania 2000. I mean, I'll say that match. That was a shit fest of a matchup and a shit fest of a performance from Foley. But I thought he was pretty good here. Rock, especially, I thought was really entertaining. I loved the story behind it too. Not only was the match entertaining with Rock and Flair, especially um, with those two going at it and Orton and Batista kind of getting the rub and Foley coming back to the ring for one more time even though he would wrestle after that, but I'll get into Foley's involvement in a second. But not only was the matchup itself entertaining, but the story was so great. And as it had like a year's worth of build behind it, with Orton punting Foley in the head at that same building in MSG, like the prior June or something like that. So I thought that was great. I thought it was really, really cool to see that. And Orton, earlier on in the evening, kind of relayed the history, showing clips of each of the attacks of... Um, of him punting Foley the prior June, and then Foley walking out of Raw that December, and Rock coming back, and they didn't show it, but Foley coming back at the Rumble that year and taking out Orton. Like, the whole build of that matchup was really, really good. It did not lead to a one-on-one matchup, but I thought this was a better suited, uh, a better fit matchup for both guys as it prolonged the feud between Orton and Foley and gave them that great matchup back last the following month. But um, the match itself was really entertaining. Like I said, Batista... And Orton, the young guys in this bout, got a nice rub from it. And um, Foley, and it gave an opportunity for Mick, uh, for Rock and Foley, the Rock and Sock connection, to reunite one last time. And the pre-match promo from Rock before he went out there was hell of entertaining as well. I thought that was so fucking funny um, when he was talking to Lily and Foley backstage. I thought that was great. But yeah, those are my top 15 most underrated matches in WrestleMania history. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any thoughts on it, tweet me on the Twitter at WrestleRant or on Facebook at Graham Jason Matthews. Any feedback is appreciated. But just like that, our hour of this week is up. Um, So thank you for joining me. I always appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great St. Patrick's Day. And like I said earlier, the big news that I teased earlier on in the show, I'm not giving it away here, so I apologize if I led you on by any chance. But um... Yeah, the big interview that I talked about before is with a current slash former WWE superstar. If you don't know who I'm talking about and you did not see the video blog from my video uh, from my Facebook page yesterday, go out and check it out and find out for yourself. It's a um, I only had 10 minutes with the guy, unfortunately, and I wanted to have the interview air on tonight's show. Hence why I, I would have planned ahead if I knew that I couldn't air the interview and I would have had someone else on here who would have had a uh, conversation over the phone and kind of talk about... Um, matches from WrestleMania and whatever, but um, so that's why I'm flying solo here today. But due to WWE or at WWE's request, I could not air the interview on the show. They kind of like to keep track of all their audio or their interviews, and um, so I could not air the interview. Unfortunately, I don't know where I'll be able to put it up. Uh, maybe just down the line, maybe on my YouTube channel. And by that point, they probably won't care. 
But you can catch my interview with this specific superstar who I'll be revealing officially. I mean, at this point, if you saw the video, you know already. Um, the check out my Facebook page if you don't know. And the interview should be up on HiddenRemote.com in the next couple of days. Speaking of HiddenRemote.com, like I said at the start of the broadcast, you can check out my newest articles on the website talking about if John Cena turning heel in 2011 would have worked, as well as ranking every main event in WrestleMania history. My collaborative article with at underscore John's Jargon on Twitter will be up on nextairwrestling.weebly.com in the next couple of days. So be on the lookout for that, which is probably going to be a better piece than the one I currently have up on Henry Mo. But check out that as well. Um, just to get my thoughts and what I thought was the, were the best main events in WrestleMania history. And John kind of changed my mind on a few things, and you'll see that in the article later on this week. But um, nextairwrestling.weebly.com, where you're listening to the show right now. The homepage, the, the go-to destination for all your reviews of Raw, SmackDown, TNA Impact, Main Event Superstars, the pay-per-views, new exclusive episodes of WrestleRant Radio like you're listening to at this very moment, um, the WWE Week in Review as well as other guest columns. Um, I have a new article up right now by Thomas Brunt at Thomas underscore B96 from Twitter. Um, sent me an email with his article and I put it up on the website talking about whether WrestleMania 31 could be a hit or a miss. A nice brief, short and sweet column from Thomas. So thank you to him for contributing his work to the website. Um, and finally, pro wrestling shirts. Make sure to check them out. They are unlike anything you have ever experienced before in the pro wrestling t-shirt world. They sell shirts, and they have some great articles from yours truly, as well as well as other from uh, other established writers in the wrestling realm. So make sure to check them out at Pro Wrestling Shirts. My new article for them should be up this upcoming week. And what culture as well? Forgot to mention them. My new article for them. I'm writing all the time now. I'm all over the place. I'm a hashtag workhorse baby, but I love writing, so I'm never going to give it up. Um, it's my passion. But um, yeah, what culture? The WWE section. My new article for them will be breaking down ten feuds that could have happened. In the Attitude Era, 10 PG Era feuds that could have happened in the Attitude Era. So be on the lookout for that. Those all the all those articles to Pro Wrestling Shirts, to What Culture, Bleacher Report, HiddenRemote.com. They're all coming up in the next couple of days. This week is great. The road to WrestleMania is always exciting. This year is no is no exception. I think it's been a great road to WrestleMania in my opinion. Not in terms of the build, but in terms of building excitement and all that other stuff. You know, watching every WrestleMania back. I have to watch WrestleMania 27 this week. But um, I've been reviewing every WrestleMania, though, on my YouTube channel, at Graham Jason Matthews on, on YouTube. I believe it is YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham Jason Matthews. That's the official channel name uh, for me on YouTube. If you want to check out my work, my reviews of WrestleMania. And, um, of course, final plug here. I apologize for the excessive amount of plugs on tonight's show. But, uh, like I said earlier, next week... Two-hour WrestleMania preview kickoff show spectacular. It's myself, RJ, at underscore Raymond, at Raymond underscore Marceau, excuse me, on Twitter, as well as Michael Yoder, who we've had on the show before. We're breaking down WrestleMania 31, the entire card for two hours straight. It's a two-hour spectacular. It's going to be a great show, so stay tuned for that at live365.com backslash stations backslash ECTV73. So in the meantime, in between time, folks, have a great week. Have an awesome St. Patrick's Day, and I'll catch you guys next Tuesday.